Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to Three in a Row, the football podcast where three lads who love the game give our candid opinions on all things related. My name is Tokwe Babalola and I'm joined by your faves. Hey guys, Damola here. Hi guys, I'm Ifatu. Welcome to season two of Three in a Row. Yes, sir. Sometimes our takes are wild, sometimes they're controversial, but they're always honest and we've got some common sense. So let's yeah, get you. it. Welcome back to Three in a Row, people, or ladies and gentlemen, or gentlemen and lady. <laughs> um, it's been a long time, but uh, we're back, baby. The awesome threesome with some some slight adjustments. Um, how have you guys been? Starting with uh, you, Engineer Damo. I've been all right, you know, been busy enjoying what the world of football has been throwing at us and, you know, just missing the Three in a Row fan. How about you guys? Uh, yeah, so me, I've been fine. Um, I've been good, I've been good, I've been good. Um, obviously, football has been keeping me quite uh, busy. Um, I've been itching to get back on the podcast. Glad to be back. Yes. Um, I'd, I don't know how these guys have been... Or rather, I should say, unlike these guys who have been enjoying football, I'm an Arsenal fan, so... It's been quite difficult for me over the last couple of months, not going to lie. It's hard. Bro, to... don't say that. Don't say that, bro. I mean, it has not been the best time either. Yeah, but uh, you guys are in the Champions League, so please don't do that. Mm. Like, do you have to come home? <laughs> Every Tuesday and Wednesday, you have to come home and be watching foreigners, like people you don't care about, compete. It's, it's kind of yeah, mind-numbing. That's actually true. You know, Arsenal don't have it. You don't even have Thursday football. Like, yeah, we don't have like any a... midweek football. Like no wonder you're no wonder you're flourishing in the league under Arteta's guidance and and tutelage. You I wouldn't know? say flourishing, man. We're doing all right. We're doing all right. Yeah, yeah. We're not last. I think that's progress. Yeah, man. One step at a time. But um, <laughs> guys, let's kick off today's news. Um. First thing we should probably talk about is the first thing that you guys are thinking about, which is Messi winning the Ballon d'Or. That was confirmed uh, tonight, the night of recording. Uh, I want to get your initial reactions. Ifatsu, what did you think about this decision? I'm gassed. I'm gassed. I'm happy. Based Uh, on what? Wait now. So, obviously, I know that the agitation was for Lewandowski to win. Um, obviously, based off his performance from like the previous season, the previous year where there was no Ballon d'Or award, um, he's also had a really great season, a really wonderful season. And um, I would say, honestly speaking, Lewandowski deserves it. But you know who else deserves it? Messi, the guy that was the top scorer for Barcelona in, the line in his last season with Barcelona. Messi, the guy that won his first international trophy with Argentina. Um, you know, in you know he was involved in directly or indirectly involved in every goal, you know, up until the final, you know, where, you know, they, they, they you know, the big brother won zero and Messi was not involved as much, you know, but then obviously he, he, he you know, he pushed his team to, a, to an international trophy. Um, he won a, what do you call it, a domestic cup with Barcelona, you know, and then obviously his transition to PSG, not the best of starts, you know, but still, I mean, when I say not the best of starts, in quote, it's, it's really, um, by Messi's own standards. It's related to Messi's standards, you know, which, you know, obviously, you know, Messi's standards are over the moon. And um, he's done good, you know, nine appearances, four goals for PSG. He hasn't 
been that involved, you know, due to injury, due to politics, I would say, within PSG squad as well. Um, he's had like three assists in, in the last match. You know, no one's talking about that. But, um, yeah, I just, I just feel like... Exactly. He's doing that against Farmers. When, no, 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 no. When no, no, he's no, no. mid I feel like... He couldn't do that against City. It's it's really time for us to dead the 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 French league, the Farmers League, um, yeah, now, man. Because, uh, if you really look at what the French teams are doing in Europe, then you cannot say they are Farmers anymore. You simply yeah. cannot say that. Look at what Marseille are doing. Look at Monaco. Are doing. Look at what um, um, Lille are doing. You know, in their respective European competitions, these guys are these guys are killing it. They are representing the French league. Okay, rather than call them farmers, we'll call them winemakers. A step up with farmers. Because <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the day, PSG is not cutting it. Like, don't get me wrong. I think, like, obviously, the, I do believe the overall talent in the French league has improved greatly, mm. right? A lot mm. of that is PSG specifically. But generally, like you said, Marseille, um, tight situations have forced them to get creative in the way they loan players, they use players. Leo, what they've done. So I won't lie and say the quality of the French league hasn't gone up. But cream of the crop in France can mm. cream of the crop in England, especially even no. Germany. I'd say. Even Spain. Spain can no, no I don't think anyone can comp- compete with England these days. I don't think there's any um any country in Europe's five leagues leagues or even like any like there's no no, no, nobody can compete with the, the the quality of talent in terms of players, in terms of management in England. It's just you know heads and shoulders above every everyone else. Um, you know, but, but but if you really think about it, right? Lewandowski has been awesome in the Bundesliga, right, and also in the Champions League. But that's it. That's 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 about it. He's not won the Champions League, right? He didn't even get to the yeah, final. Well, did he? I mean. You know, obviously, we know when did he win the Champions did. League? Uh, when did he win? They beat PSG just the season before Chelsea. Now, yeah, just, we yeah, know that. PSG. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, no Ballon d'Or that year. Yeah, and yeah, Messi did he, say he definitely would have should have won that one. Messi thought he was being a, like you know, I guess he was doing the right thing or being a magnanimous, magnanimous guy by saying, or you know, reaching out to Lewandowski and saying, "Oh, we all know you deserve to win it last year." Blah 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 blah, um, and then Lewy actually won this new award, which is the striker of the year, um, that I'm pretty sure they created just because of Lewandowski. Um, you know what? To be honest, I'm not even upset by the way the awards. Although I don't think Jorginho should have finished that high, but and I think Mendy should have won goalkeeper of the year. But I'm not upset by the awards because if you think about football, right? We have like four key spots, your goalkeeping, your defense, your midfield, your attacker. It makes sense to have a separate award for each of those. So I'm not upset by that. And Messi, like if I was already saying, despite how terrible that Barcelona team was winning a domestic title, fighting for Champions League, even though you'd say in Spain, that's not that big of a deal, but that's how appalling that Barcelona team was. That's, him dragging them to they finished third, if I remember correctly, right? Because of yeah. the work of Messi carrying him on his back. And also, if one being honest, Messi is also in a physical decline. I think a lot of his problems at the start of the season, despite me running my agenda, has been like age and him not getting a full preseason. 
posts his antics with Argentina winning the Copa America. So I do think mm. Messi deserved it, and I do believe Lewandowski deserved the best attacker award, even though it's me, I've just been created to appease him. That being said, there'll probably be less drama if there was an award last year and Lewandowski won it. Definitely. Very well. Yeah. Who was um who was midfielder? Honestly, I really I really don't I really don't understand why they didn't even like you know give a Ballon d'Or award last last year. It still baffles me. You know, I don't know what they were trying to achieve. I don't know, probably because of the COVID nineteen and all that, but you know, in retrospect, it just looks crazy. You know, Lewandowski has really been hard done by. I agree. I don't. I don't understand the logic either. Like, well, because there was no fans in the stadium. I guess is what they were saying. Um, but it's okay. I mean, we we've already long stated on this show that uh, those Balendo guys they have their own agenda and they're forever going to stick to that agenda. There, there's definitely a lot of politics going on um, around those ends. No doubt about that. Anyway, congratulations, no Messi, Donnarumma, and Lewandowski. Uh, and all the other winners. Um, but I think we should focus on the real news, which is Ralph Ragnick joining Manchester is that, United. <laughs> is that the real news? That's the real, that news, the real news. Messi, this is the seventh Ballon d'Or he has won. This is the first Ralph Ragnick in United. Um, mm. And to be mm. honest, I'm a bit worried about the appointment uh, as an opposing fan because I think it's a really, really good one. Um, he's one of the great minds of football. Should I um, tell you what I really think about this Ralph Ragnick this thing? Go on. I mean, I feel like obviously it's it's a good uh, it's a good development, you know, bringing in an interim manager, you know, not you know sticking with vibes, you know, because uh, in another in another life, um, um, these guys would have been impressed in quotes by Carrick's performance since only left and you know giving him a bit more time and then before you know it you're running Carrick a new contract uh, you know really vibes nice. vibes vibes no 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 no. I'm just saying like that's that's that wasn't that how Oli you know that wasn't that how Oli kept his job and you know got signed on a permanent basis you know we don't we, we forget that Oli was initially an interim manager he was supposed to you know just do a job and go and then you know next thing you know they are giving him a new contract and all that after referring and started agitating but anyway um Ralph Ragnick is giving me Louis Van Gaal vibes okay when Van Gaal joined Manchester United there was this whole thing about Oh, Van Gaal uh, was Moreno's coach when when Moreno was just starting off. You know, Van Gaal was this um, what do you call it? This mentor for this guy and that guy, and he was guy. You know, there was just this whole there was that vibe around with Van Gaal. Because if I'm being totally honest, I did not know Louis Van Gaal like that until maybe Netherlands. Uh, Netherlands at the was it the Euros? That was the Euros, right? World Cup. Oh, that was the World Cup. Yep. Yeah, Van Persie and the flying header. Yeah, 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 yeah. that was the World Cup. Yeah, yeah, my bad, Dutchman. my bad. Yeah, yeah, the flying Dutchman. Yeah, so I did not necessarily, I didn't really know Louis Van Gaal until that tournament, really. Right? And then obviously afterwards, when Louis Van Gaal was on a bit of a high, you know, based off Netherlands' performance, United signed him, you know, and, and there was now all this talk of, oh, he, he was Moreno's mentor at Barcelona when Moreno was just starting out and all of that stuff, you know? And 
that's why I say this Ralph Ragnick uh, signing gives me deja vu, you know, because there's all this talk about Ragnick was the one that gave Tuchel his first um, his first gig as a boss, as, as, as a manager that, that Tuchel didn't even really want to be a manager. Uh, Ralph Ragnick also, you know, the, you know uh, what do you call it? Mentored Klopp at some point, you know. And we're like, so if he did all this, why is he a locomotive Moscow really? Like really, really, really. If we are, if we are trying to be very, very honest, he's known because so well in not, Germany. He's not a manager. He's not a football manager. That's not the role he wanted. Bear in mind that he's coming as a consultant and not necessarily to take on this job full time, right? So, I think his mind, his footballing mind, is clearly great. As you have that, mentioned, he installed all these great guys. Um, at yeah. the clubs in Germany and like he did he transformed the whole Red Bull uh, academy situation over there in Germany discovered mm. money mm. you know the likes right so mm. I think what he is is an addition of footballing brain in United where there is none at the moment like nobody it doesn't feel like anybody in United knows football like that you get so, so you don't I think, think with all his talents he could have done a little bit better than being a whatever, I don't know what, what, well, was, what was he at Lokomotiv Moscow sporting director? Yeah, that's well, what he yeah. wants now. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I'm just saying. Like, it may just be a situation where the appeal of United, even in an interim basis, is enough for him to be like, let me keep the sporting director gig for a bit. Because, like I said, this is a very clear, defined terms. It's not like um, social that was like, yeah, caretaker manager. His own is hey, yeah, interim clears day to the end of the season and after that you adopt a consultancy role with the executive yeah. right because that's a good point there's nobody we know in the executive arm that knows football even us as terrible as we are we know edu did edu played football he knows football to, or he should know football to an extent and is uh. that executive <laughs> 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 and he's in that executive um side of things in united all we yeah. know that there are a bunch of guys like the Glazers who are primarily focused on making money. And Marshall. after the Glazers, mm. you've had Ed Woodard, who was not a football guy. Yeah, he was Ed an Woodward. investment banking guy who came into United yeah. because of the Glazers. So from an executive standpoint, we don't really know anybody at United with football background. So I actually think this could work in the long run. Now, him as a manager, I hope he flops. I won't lie. Let him flop. In fact, on Thursday, when I snap up face you guys, I personally want to collect 3 0 from Old Trafford. This Amen. is a personal desire. Amen. Whether that will happen, I don't know. This Amen. is personal. But I think in the long run, it definitely helps because it's like a short term solution without negating what's in the long run. And the, I think he'll be a good person to be involved in the selection of your next manager, right? Because you know. Even yeah. if he's not the best manager himself, he clearly has an eye for talent. And he has one of the best uh, like yes. black books in football. Like his contact list must be expansive. If anybody knows what's next up, it'll be him, right? So um, I think it could work out really well for United. I think him there is good for like the security of the future of the club. Um, and like you, I think we'll start to see the decisions that you know the club are making such just make more footballing sense. Uh, also, you can see how he can reinvigorate the careers of, like, Donny van de Beek, for example, who he loves. He has stated publicly in the past that he loves the guy. Sancho, for example, he used to, like, love Sancho when he was in the um, German Bundesliga. So he can really do a lot for mm. um, players that I think 
right now are being underutilized in United. Um, uh, are we going to talk about how Sancho is uh, uh, Sancho's season, or is it too soon? Um, what do you want to say about Sancho's season? Sancho was meant to be the savior. He has come in and like is a shadow of himself. Sancho's season is shit. That's what I would say. Bro, well, bro, Ole, Ole didn't overhyped. Give Sancho, Ole, Ole never gave Sancho a good enough opportunity. Not even like, not even like one game playing for ninety minutes. Did he give Sancho? Sancho will either come off the bench when we're already losing with 10 minutes to go, 20 minutes to go, or he will start Sancho and then take him off at halftime or you know, 50, 50, uh, 55 minutes. You know, Sancho, um, I don't think Ole had confidence in Sancho. And that's typical of Ole. Ole is a trust guy. Like, he, he finds the team that he trusts and he's always going to play them regardless of whatever. You know, even if they have one leg, uh, one leg as long as they're able to play, Sancho, um, Ole will play his preferred guy over, you know, the right choice. So, um, Sancho did not really get an opportunity until Ole left. And that's evident um, with Sancho's performances since Ole left. You know, he scored two in two. You know, and the guy is looking confident. Come on. The guy is a baller. It's, it's way too early to, you know, to start, you know, calling Sancho a flop or... You know, even I was just asking definitive. if it was too early or not. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's too early to make any um, definitive... Um, um, conclusions regarding Sancho just yet at Man United. He has had a terrible start to the season, but I like if I to put that more on Oli than Sancho because he was coming off an injury and he never got that run of games to build back confidence. Because in as much as um, Oli is a trust guy, it seems like Sancho is a confidence player where. When he's on his game, he's on, but like deep in confidence and it can spiral quickly for him. And like you said, coming off injury like that, having just, oh, you have first 45 minutes, you have last 20 minutes, basically not enough time to build reps. I don't think it works to his benefit. That being said, I, the last two games, he has looked sharp. He has looked exciting. He's still United's best creative taker. Um, player in the build-up play. Maybe Bruno is still the better one at giving that very final pass or scoring mm. it instead of Ronaldo. But in the build-up play, I still think Sancho is United's best player in doing that. So Progressing the ball on his, at, his, on, at his feet. On his feet, yeah. probably, yeah. Exactly. So, I would say it's a bit too early, also because I like the boy. And I, I, I want him to do well, but as long as his world is not affecting us, not success. Guy, yeah, there's no space for Sancho. I bet he can He has done well already. He has had a good career. You know, <laughs> it's okay. We have Don't a night for Elias Petro and Bukayo Saka, Callum Hudson, the door. There's enough. There's enough. Enough players for England. Sancho can be a backup dancer. I'm joking. No disrespect to the kid. Um, I'm sure he has a bright future. Um, there with Greenwood and the likes. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, to, to, to round off on this then, uh, if I to, who's going to win Arsenal versus Man U on Thursday? Manchester United. Like, Cristiano Ronaldo is going to wild out on the man. <laughs> you're, not, you're, you're, like, you're, you're not going to believe it. You're not going to believe it. But you that's know, all I'm going to say. I was, I really wanted Oli to be there um, for that United game because I was 100% sure we'll win if Oli was there. Now that Oli is not there, I like if I to think that Ronaldo will pop us. But actually, I don't think we'll lose. I think we'll win 2-1. But I think Ronaldo will score 1 for United. I don't that see... game is at Old Trafford, right? 
Yeah, that that that's why I think we'll pop you. <laughs> you guys have mm. not been great at all. Mm. Okay, okay. Like okay. I said, I believe that Ronaldo is going to wild out. This is someone that just comes sixth in the Ballon d'Or, has just gotten, um, you know, um, obviously he didn't play versus Chelsea. You know, they're saying all this shit about Ronaldo. I know obviously he wants to prove them wrong. <laughs> if there was any game for Ronaldo to wild out, it's, it's versus Arsenal. Why, why I am sure Ronaldo is scoring on Thursday. Like you said, all this thing has happened and he's one goal away from 800. If there's anybody he's doing that against, it's against Arsenal at Old Trafford. I've already mm. it. I've uh-huh. made it. But I know my boys are winning that game with one Ojuro goal. One Ojuro goal and one proper goal. <laughs> I mean, this is a swift segue to, to talk about Arsenal. Let's my guy said one Ojuro goal. I'll take, we'll take it whatever we can get, Baba. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. How do you assess the? If I turn, I, want, I actually want to get your perspective on this first because you wrote down Arsenal are back, and I just want to understand. Yes, so yes, so. How do you assess the current situation of the uh, team? You might are back now. Almost halfway through the season. Uh, are we almost halfway through the season? Almost now. Oh, but yeah, I, I think like five five games. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, Arsenal. I think have found their level, right? Based off the talent that they have. So I would expect Arsenal to beat Liverpool just yet. I would expect them to beat Chelsea or even Manchester City. I don't expect them to compete for the title, right? But I think they've definitely progressed since last season's what do you come eight last season, right? Yeah. Um I don't was, think you're coming around this time last season, this season that we capitulated. Basically, I feel like Arsenal. Um, I feel like Arteta has found his, I don't know, sort of like respect within the, the Arsenal dressing room. You know, um, he doesn't have that situation where it seemed as if some players were trying to sabotage um, his reign at Arsenal. That's not happening anymore. Um, the kid, Emil Smith Rowe, he's a revelation. Like on the ball, when he's moving on the ball, the types of things he attempts sometimes it doesn't even work, but you can see the, you can see the idea ball in his head. The boy is talented please, and he's humble. Don't put idea and... on my boy. Don't put idea on my boy. Please, <laughs> please, please. But yeah, the, the, the kid you can you can just see that the kid is talented, right? And then obviously, um, I don't need to say too much about Bukayo Saka, God's child. You know, you know, these guys for me are now first-team players. It's no longer a situation of, oh, let's give them a tryout in the team, you know? And um, Arteta trusts them. They have sort of accepted responsibility. And, you know, you can see that when they're beating Newcastle 2-0, you know, Arsenal, I think Arsenal like, are the best defense, are one of the best defensive teams in the Premier League this season, right? You don't just pop Arsenal, except obviously you're, you're, you know, you're a much better team, like Liverpool did against them. And even though, even though I think that was also a tactical mishap, for some reason, yeah. Teta thought he could go toe-to-toe with, with, with Liverpool. But um, that will always happen. That will happen every now and then. right? But I feel like Arsenal are beating the small teams. They're keeping the clean sheets. They're climbing up the table. You know, um, I think they're their fifth um, yeah. level on points with West Ham. You yeah. know? And, and, and West Ham have had a great season. Soon. Yeah. On, the, on the 15th. Yeah. 
So I, I will say this. I won't necessarily say we're back, but I'll say there's improvements in the sense that barring that very stupid game against Brentford, we're beating who are meant to be beaten. That was that was the first game of the season, no? Brentford. Yeah. Yeah. That that, that loss against the game that we lost that we shouldn't have. Yeah. Like mm. that that draw against Crystal Palace was upsetting, but in all fairness, it was probably the better result. Um, and that draw against Brighton, I given I think we're out at the time. Yeah, but Brighton were balling at the time, so I take it. Other than those two draws, we've beaten who are meant to beat. And if I had to, like you said, our defensive record. So I'm looking at the table now. We've conceded 17 goals, which sounds bad because it is. But of those 17, nine have come against City and Liverpool. And so, yes. So barring those disgusting drubbings for a variety of reasons, we are up there with the best defenses in the league. But why I'm not saying we're there yet are those two drawings against City and Liverpool. Mm. Against both also, against both score a lot of goals. Yeah, I, I'm also coming to that because that's a problem that although there's still progress, it's still not fully fixed. The against the big teams, against your city, against your Liverpool, um, we still have that problem where if we're not perfect for 90 minutes, it's going to be a drubbing. Not that we're going to lose, it's going to be a drubbing. Because against City, I remember watching that game. We started the game very positively in the way we're pressing, in the way we're closing down. Like for those five first 10 minutes, we made life not easy for City. Then there was a mistake and they scored. After that, it seems like something went off in the head of all the players. Maybe they started yeah. all the dropping and individual mistakes started coming in again. Then we got the red card and after that, it was just a mess. The game against Liverpool, similar thing. First, 40, first half, it's not as if Liverpool went in majority of control of the game, but it didn't feel like they were going to score outright. Right? It felt like they were they were having possession that they were didn't Arsenal even had a really good chance in that first half they could have taken exactly it. it felt like it didn't feel like a game like it felt like a game where we knew what the game plan was and we're playing it well and Liverpool were frustrated then we considered from a set piece which was upsetting because we've actually uh, defended set pieces uh, pretty well this season so that changes the game because we went down 1-0 like 5 minutes to half time so rather than thinking, okay, it's zero, 0 we've done a good job in the first half, you're thinking, okay, at halftime, team talk has to change. We considered later, unfortunately, but we've done well. Let's tweak it a bit so we can at least come back and continue the game plan and try to nick it. Then second half came, and Nuno Tavares was just abysmal. Like, some of his individual mistakes <laughs> were... I saw... I saw Nuno had a poor game. Yes. I saw just run and give the pass to Jota. Yeah. He just, he just give Jota a true ball. Yeah. That, that, that one was terrible. And Sambi, Sambi, who has been doing well without Xhaka, he was just not keeping any control of that midfield. He looked so out of place. In fact, that game was just like an example of, yeah, we have very young players who, when the going gets tough, we yeah, know it's cut. Exactly. In that second half completely. And, um, the guys were not ready. Nuno needs a lot to work, needs to work a lot on his decision making, I reckon, and his composure. 
even in our last game, he was just shooting the ball anyhow, like it. Ooh. But that's okay because Carantini Tierney is healthy now. Yeah. Um, so I expect him to be back uh, in the starting lineup for Old Trafford. Um, Me too. But yeah, because we still aren't at a point where I feel like we can go into big games and one mistake won't kill us, I can't say we're back. We are improving. And like Topper said, that attack is still something that I'm worried about. The attack like, is awful, guy. Well, no, I'll say this about the attack. I won't necessarily say awful. I'll say for somebody who saw free-flowing football under Wenger, I cannot tolerate this. That being said, it's better than last season. Last season's zone was like on some painful stuff at times to watch. It was very painful to watch. This season, it's not painful to watch, but it's still not the level it needs to be. But you are seeing glimpses of improvement. For example, the movement and the play for Saka's goal was beautiful. I, I truly appreciated that that one touch that's it was it was fantastic. Um and Tomiyasu, he's been solid. His assist for Martinelli, like there were pockets of things in our attack in the last couple of games that I've seen that okay, I get what Ateta is trying to do, especially with the way he tells the right back or the left back to overload the side with a winger so the attackers can figure out a way to move in the center. I see the idea we're trying to do and it looks like we're getting better at execution, but it's still not there yet. He, there's still more work to do. Yeah. I'm just, uh, I'm just really happy that people are starting to, you know, see Arteta as a, as a good thing for the club. Like, people are coming around slowly. Uh, I still have agenda, but it's suspended. Ooh. He's been doing well recently, so it's, the agenda yeah. is suspended. That's both. Um, but yeah, I was talking to somebody uh, who is a season ticket holder at the club, and now it turns out his wife's cousin is one of the coaching staff. So the guy was giving us a bit of a lowdown, and he actually got to like go meet the players, and like after the Tottenham game, he got to drink with like the coaching staff and the team, and blah, 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 blah. Anyway... The same coach that hooked him up with that was giving him yarns about the ins and outs of the dressing room. And apart, it has just really been a, a painful process of trying to revamp the whole squad. So when Ateta got there, really and truly, like his first mission was to get rid of them, Ozil. The guy mentioned Ozil, he even mentioned Kolasinac, which, funny enough, is still in the club, just to show that the process is still ongoing. So it was like there was a core group of players that were completely there for the wrong reasons. And over the last seasons, what all they have tried to do is start bringing in uh, the right players, bringing in the right players, bringing Thomas Partey because he's an Arsenal fan. Same with Ramsdale and all these other guys that are there for the right reasons. And Apaz, uh, somebody that has made a huge difference in the club is Aaron Ramsdale. Uh, he wasn't actually expected to be the first team choice goalkeeper so soon. But his presence in the dressing room has been so profound. Like he's so he has such an energy in the dressing room that they put him straight into the starting lineup and he hasn't disappointed since. Um so when I hear things like this, I feel like ultimately we're in a good path. Mm. I think in a year or two I'll know whether Arteta is the guy. You know what I'm saying? So I think Arteta can do a job. He can take us to a certain point, right? But then after yeah. a year or two, then I'll start to understand, okay, does this guy have what it takes? To break us to, into yeah. the top, to take us to another level. Yeah. If he makes if he makes Champions League, I'm going to start my Zidane agenda properly. Uh, Zidane to us now. Because we all know Zidane did not go to United because his wife doesn't want to live in Manchester. London, on the other hand, is a very different mm. appeal. 
I mean, no, 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 I don't no, 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 I don't want to sit down in, in anywhere near my club, Sha. Can't cap. Me, I, me, I will cap. I would sweat for Zidane. <laughs> <laughs> Give me Zidane. Man is a serial winner. And whether he has Juju, let him bring it. But again, this is dependent on Arteta. I actually think Arteta is our only. In a way that he has a job to do. And that's like to change the face of the club in the way the club is going. And let's see how this season goes. He somehow makes champs this season. I personally think you can only give him one extra season and switch out to a manager to start winning stuff. Yeah. Fair enough. We can only wait and see. Um, but yeah, I think this season is panning out exactly how I predicted, which is just, we'll do okay. Like, we're not going to be terrible. We're not going to be great but we'll do okay and like the fact that we have one week between every game means i have an expectation to fucking win it except it's one of the big three so going into that game on thursday i expect to put in the performance but from the toothless performance at liverpool i don't know if we'll be able to get a result at old trafford um we seem to be the club that likes to give united their bounce back so it's probably how that's gonna go um Anyway, uh, I guess the final club we should touch on in the Premier League are the league leaders. The league leaders that nobody seems to believe um, are good enough to do it. Uh, but I do. And that's Chelsea, who coincidentally also just won Team of the Year, both the men and women's team. Chelsea is winning it all. Ballon d'Or. Yeah, man. And it just shows that money talks. Money talks. Um Damola, are you, are you saying, by Chelsea's winning it all, are you saying you think they can win the Prem this season? Actually, I think they should. Sh- I think Prem, if they don't win Prem, they should suck to show for me. That, that's ah, the relax. No, no, no. If I'm Abramovich and you don't win Prem, I'm sucking you. Because they not, they've not had like a handicap in the first half of the season. They've done um, this first half of the season. Man, two cards, to Manchester United. Straight! <laughs> Straight! <laughs> now, nah, but I actually think if I'm Abramovich on the board, my target for Tuchel this season is Prem and Champs. That's how much I believe in their gravy this season. It's, they play defensive because I think most people consider three at the back is defensive formation, but they play, they play defensive formation and still look attacking. It's one of the most beautiful things. And this is without having any, like, because Lukaku has been injured for a lot. That's because Rich James is fucking the best right winger, the best right striker in the <sighs> Premier League right now. Like, I'm Reece, sure he was the best left winger in the Premier League. Forget Reece, left wing back. Recent Chilwell. The, the mistake I have is not having both of them in FPL at the same time. But, no, the, the way they've been playing... Like you said, with those wing backs, the way they attack, and not only that, their midfield. Everybody knows the job to a T. Rudiger having someone like Thiago Silva that allows him be an Agüero, but can still also control the defense and the tempo of the game. It's like they are the most balanced system, and they have high level of coverage across the board. Where an injury to Kante is not uh, derailing their season. Sonigas never get game time this season. Exactly. Sonigas never get game time. In fact, the team is so deep that he can afford to rotate out Mount from the team. If we're being real, it's probably someone that needs a bit of a break given the amount of games he's played 
over the last two, three seasons as a young player. Yeah. So the the team is deep. They have a coach that has sense and their cohesive structure is like there's no out. Well, the only outright wing weak point is probably like their scoring. But like Tope said, when you have it that your wing backs are your highest goal scorers, having a number nine who isn't scoring is not necessarily a bad thing, given that he's working for the team and still being effective in other areas. So yeah, I actually think Chelsea is going all the way in both Prem and Champs. <laughs> and Champs, you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Engineer Damo knows what's up. And he believes Chelsea are going to win it all. I think they have the ingredients to win it all as well, from the coach down to the players. I think people are disrespecting Chelsea a bit, underrating them, talking about it a bit. Two horse race between Liverpool and Man City. So Chelsea are still the favourites. Go on. Yes, so I was actually, I was watching a documentary on Tuchel quite recently. You know, just watching like he's, um, um, you know, him coming from Mainz to Dortmund to PSG and then to Chelsea. You know, the, this documentary, were, they were basically touting Tuchel as the best manager in the world. Now, did he pay for um, the production? Yeah, some. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. But, but um, there was something that was quite peculiar in that, and that's the idea that Tuchel does not necessarily last very long. Like he's able to join a team and get them firing almost from the onset, almost from the start, right? Uh, but then in the long run, I. I mean, the documentary basically sort of suggested that he doesn't have the same charisma in terms of um, in terms of his relationship with the players as Klopp does, for example. So we know that at Dortmund he was pretty much sacked um, just because of his relationship with the players. You know, um, and what's the the Dortmund CEO uh, Kyle Hems, Romanage, Romanage, or whatever Rome, his name is. Yeah. Yeah, so he, he basically said that, um, obviously, um, a manager should be good tactically and all that, but he also has to be a good person. He also has to, like, you know, his personality within the squad also counts for a lot. And that seemed to suggest that Tukel was lacking in that. Tukel is a serial winner. Tukel wants to win at all costs. And sometimes that could come at uh, the detriment of his relationship with his players, you know, if he wants something done and, and you know, for some reason, uh, he's not getting it done. Um, apparently, he was quoted to have said um, at Dortmund, he, he said, um, so I, he said off, um, off the mic that, am I supposed to beat Bayern with, this, with these wimps? He said it in German, obviously. You know, he said, I, it was a sarcastic, listen, I'm, I'm supposed to beat Bayern with these wimps, you know? Facts are fine. And that was part of what, yeah, that was part of what um, got him out of um, his job at Dortmund. And then when he also joined PSG, and, um, he, you know, I mean, we also forget that he got sacked at PSG as well. He got sacked, right? PSG sacked Tuchel. And um, Dortmund CEO came out again and said, well, he's not surprised because, um, um, you know, Tuchel is a great coach, but he's lacking fundamentally in terms of his um, relationship with his, you know, exactly. You know, so now with Chelsea... Um, obviously, we saw how it happened. You know how he joined Chelsea from you know from the get go. They seemed to start firing. They got to the Champions League, won the Champions League. Um, you know, 
uh, I won't say they did so great in the league, but at least they did better than Lampard was doing. Yeah. Uh, and now they seem like they are, you know, they are destined to win uh, the Premier League. Um, however, I will not. I'm not. How do I say this? I won't hold my breath. I won't. I won't. Um, I'm not very optimistic about Tuchel's chances of winning the Premier League this season. So I, I will say that that's actually a very interesting point you brought on because I was thinking about the thing with PSG too. At PSG, he he had two key problems. He was clashing with management structure, mm. um, which is like yeah, clashing with oil money. Nobody's going to win over oil money in football right now. He's clashing with Leonardo Dem and uh, and management structure. And he was also, there was a thing about the fact that managing star egos, he felt, I think, from what we saw and what we see Pochettino kind of like struggling with, managing yes. star egos is something he's not good at. And at PSG, you probably need to do that a lot. In fact, more than a star team like probably Madrid, like Manchester Eagles is probably maybe 60% of your job other than the tactics. But in that case, I feel like Chelsea is a match made for him, right? Where, like you said, he's a serial winner. At Dortmund, mm. everybody knows Bayern is the club that's going to win it. So probably him not winning with Dortmund works against like the, the match that could have been yeah, right. Because like I said, if someone's a serial winner and they're in a place where they know winning is almost not guaranteed, it weighs on you, even if you don't want to it to weigh on you. In fact, like I said, I think Aubameyang even was cracking a joke when they first hired Tuchel in Germany that, yeah, he's a crazy guy just like me. Uh, mm. Something along those lines. But that doesn't mean he's not a good guy. So I think at Dortmund, if, if I had to assume, I'd say that's one of those things, right? And at PSG was the other thing. Chelsea is a match made in heaven where from top to down is a club that win or die. That, that's, that's the only law. In fact, that's the only thing. That's the mentality, yes, yes that's, yes. that's the mentality across the club. And it's also yeah. a weird club in the sense that the people that are probably considered stars don't even have an ego. Like currently at Chelsea, who do you say is the biggest star? Lukaku? Maybe? That's, that's, a, that's, that's a really good point. There is not really any standout star as such in 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 Chelsea. Yeah. There's none. Like, like even at Dortmund, right? He had Oba. Oba was like a Oba. Ha, Oba has like Oba is like a great guy for the dressing room when everything is working out. Yeah. Oba has was a star a, personality. Was a Dortmund Mkhitaryan. Exactly. One German player of the season. Yeah, Oba has a star. Was under Tuchel. At PSG, you are dealing with Neymar's. Neymar's entire entourage is like, I love it because I love Neymar. And I think it's just one of those things that men is part of football. But I can get how as a manager dealing with all of that will irritate you on a day-to-day. And he's also dealing with another new star, Mbappe. And just the entire way Mm. he set up like luxury club in the heart of the luxury city, Paris, all of that. Mm. From the outside, looking at that thing, it's like, them must be nice. From the inside, I probably won't want to deal with that thing. So I get what mm. you're saying, that he has his own issues. But I think with Chelsea, it's like, you could almost say dysfunction meets dysfunction and it somehow works well. Yeah, I think that Malaysia yeah. is a great point. Basically, like Chelsea is, it feels it's like a match made in heaven in a sense, you know. It's like, 
Tucho has those vibes. He has Abramovich vibes, not give a fuck vibes. So the players already done been known that if you're not good enough, you get replaced at Chelsea. That's how the system works. So if a manager has that to work with, where he knows the talent just needs to produce, and if they don't produce, he'll get new, fresh talent to do what he wants them to do, then um, he's going to thrive in that situation. Um, should we, uh, just conscious of time, guys. Um, mm. By the way, I think Man City are going to win the league because just because we never did our predictions this season, I don't believe. And 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 I just want to add that um, he, if he's going to try to win the league, he has to get the strikers firing because this whole thing about Chilwell, obviously, we know that Chilwell is out for a while now, and this whole thing about his wing backs because even Alonso, even Marcos Alonso before Chilwell came in was doing great as well. Yeah. So um, um, if he's, if Chelsea are going to win the Premier League, he's going to have to get his strikers firing because this thing about the wing back scoring goals, it is not sustainable in the long run. You're not going to tell me that Rhys James is going to compete, you know, for you know, you know, top scorer in the Premier League. That's not going to happen. You know, and I mean, I get that obviously there's contribution from all parts of the squad, but it's not sustainable. I don't think it is. The only thing I'll say to that is let's see how Lukaku does when he's back fit. Yeah, his first, back. yeah his first yeah. game back was against United and he did what 10 minutes. Let, let's see how yeah. it is because if there's anything I trust Lukaku for, maybe I don't trust him for big games, but I trust him to pop like Norwich, Southampton. I trust him to give them like two, 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 two. In fact, I need him to get back on form so I can put him in my fantasy again. Lukaku is my brother. He's finna ball out. Yes, Guys, another thing that's happened while we have been away is uh, Conte uh, joining Ch- Tottenham. Um, and then quickly realizing that Mourinho wasn't just chatting shit uh, and that the squad actually needs a lot of work. Uh, and I think it's one thing when Mourinho says it, we all say, yeah, haha, like, you know, it's Jose. But now that Conte is saying it, that, look, I have a big job on my hands and the squad is nowhere near where it needs to be. I think that shows, like, there was clearly something right about what Mourinho was saying. But anyway, the question that I have really is, what are your expectations for Conte um, and what kind of time period do you give him to prove that? Hmm. The guy, the guy, I mean, Conte, Conte, Conte is a serial winner too. You know, he's won with Chelsea in the Premier League when no one expected him to do it. Then he went, I mean, even before that, he, he obviously like, you know, brought um, titles back to Juventus in the Serie A, came to Chelsea, you know, got got them a Premier League title, went to Inter Milan, and broke Juventus's um, what do you call it run of of what the league wins, you know. Um, Conte, there's talent there. There's you know there's substance with with Conte. It's undeniable, right? So if you ask me what I expect from Tottenham, I expect them to I don't know to come fourth to come to you know at least qualify for the Champions League just based off Conte's pedigree. You know, they, they, they still have Hurricane, they still have Human Son. Um, I, I don't know about the level being low as such. You know, I think maybe it's a thing of you know, the, the, the squad player has not been motivated because sports still have a lot of talent. How much, like, how much did they really lose, really? Who did they sell that you say, oh, they lost this guy and that's why they're not where they are anymore? There's nobody, you know? So um, this whole talk of... Um, maybe, maybe that core group of players is just not good enough. Like, if all the managers keep saying the same thing, um, like, fucking Dele Ali is obviously 
Not good enough. Not. <laughs> I, I actually, I think what it is is Sporch got these guys to overperform. Yeah, I think so as well. It's right. right I, and I think that's why, like, my respects for Poch as a coach is pretty high. He got, except Kane, who I think is sensational. He got almost everybody on that Son. team. Uh, bro, Son is sensational. Stop it. Oh, no, true, 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 true. true, true, true. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. We'll crucify you here, Baba. <laughs> <laughs> agenda. I, I wanted to run agenda. Uh, no, but except <laughs> Kane and Son, who have, for like, even post the poetry has been performing. Nobody on mm. that team has met up to the poch standards, right? And that's a mixture of things, right? For example, Age in their defense. Ade Wild and Vertogen got old at the exact same time, unfortunately. And Davison Sanchez hasn't. That know. guy sucks. Like, <laughs> he's not the one, man. Sanchez is not the one. He's Sanchez the one. was so good when he was at Ajax. Like, how could he regress so badly, bro? Like, did you see that that game that they lost in the Champions League or in that the was, Europa League, rather? Was, yeah, in uh, Mira, whatever they're called. Yeah. That's like that's the lowest rated team in the whole European competition. Like yeah. of all the teams in Europe, no, no, they're worst. Uh, so, so it's three it, points off Tottenham. Exactly. It's the, so it's a couple of things. I actually agree with Conte that the team has been trash. And is Mourinho obviously it's easier to, like you said it's easier to agree that it's no when it's not Mourinho saying it. But if you think about it, their centre backs are old. I, I don't think Adward has played a lot this season. And if you look at their midfield moving forward, Conte's preferred formation requires that you have two midfielders who know their job to a T and execute it die. He's had that at Chelsea, he's had that at Inter. He doesn't have that at sports. Not because the players probably don't want to execute it. They just don't have the ability. Hoiberg has a cap. Hoiberg works well under Conte. I don't, I don't see why he can't just have Hoiberg and Ndombele in the midfield. In that, because Ndombele is too much of a Congolese brother, man. Yeah, man, man. I, I honestly believe that, that Ndombele has a problem. Like, guy... Ndombele is Pogba vibe. Exactly. Uh, Ndombele is that idea for yep. more, but Africa. That 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 that's what Ndombele plays like. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's not what Conte needs right now in his midfield, man. My my francophone brother, sorry, sorry for my agenda, okay. but you know exactly what I'm talking about. Those brethren that you always play ball in the park with that want to cut 20 people before giving a simple pass. That's Ndombele for you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not continuous vibes, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, at all, at so, all. so that's the first problem. He doesn't have an ideal midfield too. And his wing backs, you could say he has Reguillon, who will probably work, but his right side is scanty. There's Doherty has had the drop off. I don't like really. There's, there's since they lost Trippier, there's nobody on that right side who can do a proper job for Spurs. And not only that, going forward, you could say, Yeah, you have Kane and Son, but Kane is playing like a man who's not interested in Spurs anymore. To mm. be honest, he, he goes to England and pops because he actually wants to be there. But when it's time to come back to Spurs, man remembers what he's dealing with and is like, Man, let's just see if I can drive down transfer price a bit more. But because <laughs> 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 Kane, 
Kane, I'm, I'm even gonna lie. Yo, that's an angle, you know. As in, must try to drive down transfer price. What? His stats padding for England versus the nonsense he does for sports is ugly. It's it's mm. like it's like Kane is moving like a man that doesn't want to be there at all. And because he's that good, it's like even him playing like he doesn't want to be there is good enough than whatever other option they have. But it's going to get found out. So I think the team as it is, right, is not a team that fits Conte's preferred way of playing. That's the first problem. And the second problem is Tottenham's financials came out and they're in major depth, man. Everybody thinks doing new stadium is beans. Tottenham go here and where? So you're saying the players for Conte and neither did they have the money to get Conte the players. Exactly. So I think, I think Conte is going to do one season max and leave because no, the frustration no, no. will hit him. I mean, I mean, I mean we know that at the beginning, fine. even before they signed, who did, uh, who's the guy that sacked um, the, the former Wolves manager? We don't, um, he's, he's forgotten from our memories. Even, <laughs> even before... Even before they signed that guy, no. right? We, we, yeah, no, no, uh, we know that Tottenham, you know, tried Conte. And Conte he, rejected there. Tottenham. Yeah, yeah, because he, he, didn't, he wasn't satisfied. He wasn't convinced with the project at Tottenham, right? And then obviously, fast forward, you know, they make the wrong decision. They try a couple of other guys. They say no, and then he, he hires Nuno Espirito, uh, Sancho, whatever his name is. And then obviously, that guy gives, him, gives them vibes for ball. And you know, get sacked mid-season, and now they are back to Conte. They probably now told Conte, "Okay, this is what you were asking for that time, Abi. Okay, take it." You know, and he's he's now here, and you know the situation is critical. He, he, he can see that if he had waited two 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 weeks, you know, he would have been in with the money in, in for the Man United job. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you know he, he no, regrets that Co- now because Conte was never like my United never wanted Conte because Conte no, no 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 my United was seriously considering Conte. Oh, well, I think he re- I saw something where he requires backroom staff, um, and like he, he needs to bring his people, and United just went down for that. So Conte, well, United are letting Ragnik bring his people. United lets don't um, um, Moreno bring his people. Well, no, but Ragnik is not even bringing in all his people. Like, a lot people. of the current guys, exactly, a lot of the current guys are going to be working with Ragnik. So I think yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. whole new staff room and that, like, they just mm-hmm. get yeah. Is it Conte has a problem with a lot of clubs when it comes to that, like, because it kind of has to have everything his way or... The highway. Yeah. And I personally think Conte coming to sports wasn't even necessarily sports promising anything. It was just like, man... Money doesn't enter the bank account a couple of months in a row. You begin to reconsider life a bit, you know. Ah, I'm sure he has enough money for, for a number of lifetimes. So, so it's like yo, you're in London. You've lived in London. You know how London is. You have probably the best striker in the league when he wants to be Harry Kane with Son. You're like, eh, let's see if I can work with this. Only for him to enter and it's like, oh, I thought it was the ghetto, but this is the serious ghetto. So, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. so yeah, yes, sir. I don't, I, I, I actually, I think Spurs will finish top 10, but towards the lower end of the top 10. It actually mm-hmm. shook, like, I mean, I hope this doesn't ruin contest, but nothing can ruin that. Yeah, that's going to, that's, that's going to sort of mar his reputation, you know, his, his record. As Man, a manager, 
Everybody needs that um, reality slap. Yeah, yeah, reality check every now and then. Yeah, yeah. Mourinho got one. Even Guardiola, when he first came, he got it when he almost did not qualify for champs his first season. So yes, everybody needs reality check. Maybe this is time for Conte to get his own. Fair enough. Fair enough. Right, lads. Let's um, let's move on. Uh, and somebody mentioned something about fraudulent documents today. <laughs> yes, so yes, so yes, so yes, so because that moves on swiftly. Juventus have started mm-hmm. again. Yeah, news article coming out from Italy. Uh, and Juventus are under investigation for doing some magomago in the transfer window. Is that correct, Ifatu? Do you, you know, like, if I was watching, um, if I was a, if I was a movie director, right? And I was trying to cast um, a character for like a dodgy, corrupt guy. Eh? I will cast Andrea Agnelli. You know, he looks like a thief. <laughs> just, let me just put it out there. He, he's so suspicious looking, right? And obviously, just based off all his, um, you know, the, the dodgy things he was doing during the whole, um, uh, what do you call it, went to Super League. break out into their own new league. Super League, exactly. Um, uh, that doesn't do him any favors. Well, and on, on, on Friday, this last Friday, uh, the, the Italian police basically raided uh, Juventus, confiscating documents, and you know, they're, they're basically just investigating, um, you know, investigating accounting mishaps with uh, Juventus, uh, Juventus uh, what do you call it, records. You know, and they've also implicated their vice president, uh, Nedved, and even this new Tottenham sporting director, uh, Praktici. Uh, Paratici, you know, all these guys, yeah, all these guys are, all these guys are implicated and uh, they're currently under investigation. Now, whether or not they are going to get inducted and, you know, get prosecuted, uh, we don't know because, you know, we see these things getting swept under the cuts. But it's just interesting to see that, you know, this is going on, you know, there's no smoke without fire as far as I'm personally concerned. And I know that there's something dodgy going on there. Yeah, I agree. And Juventus have the track record for it. It's there for a reason. It's just in their blood. Like, yeah. Oh, that point's deduction loading on top of a miserable season already. The only evidence I need to I believe... See that. <laughs> the only evidence I need to believe they did this thing is that Pjanic auto transfer. They literally exchanged the exact same players and somehow money moved. Like, when I saw this and I'm like, are these guys doing money laundering? At a yes, professional yes, level? yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so... I'm, yes, I'm, I'm not saying it's true. I'm not saying it's not true. But where there's smoke, uh, there's some fire somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> something is burning. <laughs> okay, okay. I mean, that's that's short and sweet. Just conscious of time, guys. I don't think we're gonna get to cover uh, the rest of the other leagues today. But uh, it's been it's been a while, and those. There's quite a bit to get through in the Premier League, and you know, in global football, I guess, with the Ballon d'Or stuff. Um, I guess before we go, one thing I wanted to touch on, or we, I know we wanted to touch on, was um, was the whole Klopp thing and the the Nigerian reporter who got a bit upset at Klopp uh, because Klopp referred to the Afcon as some little tournament, um, sarcastically, I should say, like he was being sarcastic. That part is clear, but that sparked hella beef in the group chat. 
Um, and and people thought it was disrespectful of Klopp to do that. Damola, what did you think? I think, or at the moment, I thought that in as much as I know he meant no ill will towards it, I highly doubt he would have made a similar joke with the FA Cup. Which is, and I also, I also think like there's context behind people like coming at Klopp for this. Klopp is one of those managers that is widely known for seeing his players, well, maybe not his players, players in general, play too much games, especially his players. He's, he's very adamant about it and his, his own is that he keeps saying football authorities need to find a way to reduce the amount of games the players play. He's spoken against some of international football at times. So to say like, oh, we're just picking up club is not like necessary. He's just, he's someone, he's one of those coaches that's publicly spoken about, hey, players need better rest, which I agree with, but he's also spoken against international football, which I'm like, mm, I get you want players to rest and I get you want your players to rest, but calm down. These people have national responsibilities. So mm. when he made the comments, and I know he was being like, again, he meant to know ill will. He was being sarcastic. He was trying to make a joke about it. It was like, yo, I know you have no ill will, but you want to make this comment about the Euros. I highly doubt you even make it about Copa America. Um, you probably won't make it a- about the FA Cup. So even though you meant it in a joking way with no ill intent, why is it AFCON? And there was just a bit of like, Afghan has been like everyone's punching bag, right? If there's anything in the football calendar, everybody wants Afghan to accommodate it, right? Why is it that the African um, tournament is the one that has to accommodate the European schedule every single time? And that's that was my own coming to it, like yo, club. Even though you probably don't mean any ill towards it, like this was you should have made this joke a different way, or you should have check your unconscious bias, basically. Exactly. I mean, I get it, but I, I, I get it. But in the context of what he was saying, for what it sounds like to me, he could have been talking about any like. Obviously, he was not talking about any tournament, and he said it because because it was Afcon, but there was no disrespect there. Like it was, it was like kind of like there's this little tournament, you know, like there's this. Sorry, he sorry, big. but how he was picking up the tournament in the statement actually by saying how come you know, the interviewer this... missed it. What, do you what, mean? what does the interviewer mean by there's no international breaks until March? Well, yeah, so it's not just club, right? And I think that's the and then club corrected him, like, well, there's this little, yeah, talk, but it was the whole vibe was off. Um, so, yeah. so, so the interviewer totally ignored the existence of Af- Afcon. Yeah, the interviewer messed up too. It wasn't just, ah, and I think okay. that's another thing too, right? That that's why I'm like, I I feel like Klopp had no ill intent because, like Topper said, in fact, this wouldn't be a conversation if Klopp probably even forgot about Afcon. To be very honest, like if Klopp forgot about Afcon and didn't mention, make any comments about it, in it's probably one of those things that would have gotten missed. Because even me too, the first time when the interviewer said it, it wasn't a Klopp responded. That was like, oh, the interview actually missed a whole Afcon happening in January. So, I I know Klopp did not mean any ill intent, and generally football journalists around the world 
need to give African and African football they deserve the respect it deserves. Like, we all know that 90% of that French team, we know where they are from. They are French, but equals, we know where they are from. Not to talk of the best players in the world, brother. Exactly. Not to look at Salah, look at Mane, Oba before his recent deep. Like, across the globe, African footballers are lighting it up currently, right? Whether they are playing for their African countries or countries that first generation, second generation, second generation immigrants too. So, but there's always been like a shit in on African football, which isn't fair. And like you said, I even initially missed that, that the reporter completely, that's meant to be a football journalist, forgot about AFCON. It's club that needed to remind him. And the way club now reminded him is what is bringing up this entire thing. So yeah, I agree. Like, he, in his own way, he was even just trying to say, actually, you forgot about AFCON. How he did it, though, not ideal. Yeah, I think my the only problem that I had with it was actually not how he did it, to be fair. Like, because he was correcting the guy, like, don't be a fucking idiot. Like, you're forgetting about, you know, this little tournament called AFCON. But I, I didn't like that he didn't apologize when the reporter was saying, look, you've offended some people with this. He was quite bullish about it. I, I, yes, but 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 can we be can we can we be very honest and frank here? Who and who was offended? Yeah, like who the, actually even remembered who 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 actually even that's remembered the interview? Just that reporter who, well, in my personal opinion, was cloud chasing. Because how are you a professional journalist and you come to to ask a manager questions? You know, if you want if you want to address it, you say um, you know in, in you know in in the in the previous interview you 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 referred to um Af- the Afcon as a little tournament. Do you, do you want to clarify, yeah, yeah, clarify you know, what you meant by that? That's 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 a journalist question. Not yeah. I think that is disrespectful. I, he came there to chase <laughs> clouds. He came there to catch some minutes of fame with an interaction with the, 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 the world's best manager in in, your, in club. He no. he he. You know he just. No I, no 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 no. To me, that is that is that is how it came across to me. This is a man trying to chase clouds. I think you should apologize. I think you should apologize. When clouds say, "Okay, you're not done. Finish off. Finish up." Yeah. He, he, what did he just muttered a few words and said, "Oh yeah, that's it. I think you should apologize." Yeah. What, what does it? What's it? Is that a journalist's job? Really, as a professional journalist, just like the job of a journalist, do you go there to make statements at the manager, or do you go there to ask questions? And then obviously, as soon as he do, as soon as he's done that, he's obviously recorded that part of the uh, uh, of the interview and posted it on his social media. It says, "Oh, my interaction with Klopp, my interview with Klopp, me querying Klopp for, for for saying this." Who and who really really remember Klopp? Uh, 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 who, who and who really remembered that uh, that Klopp referred to Africa the African as little tournament and took offense to it? Who who really did that? I, I get what you're saying, Ifatu, but OJB, he's like one of those few African journalists in the European space, Nigerian, and he's been good at his job, especially when reporting on African um, players in the European space. So I don't want to necessarily, based on that track record, I don't want to necessarily say that he was chasing clouds. He could have been, but I can't say based of what... It can be the complete motivating factor. Exactly. the only reason... and that being said, again, me too, like, when I first heard the interview, I wasn't, I wasn't like, you know, I was like, oh my God, you respected that football. I was just like, rah, that's off. 
like I mean, I know you don't like your players having to go and play. You're about to lose Salah, Mane, and some of your key guys during a, a very busy period. But like, yeah, like you know, Afcon is not little. But I that being said, did I take it as deeply as I think OJB took it? No, it was just like right, that's weird. I don't think you call uh, Euros little, but it is what it is. We already know how people look at Afcon, and now it's keeping it pushing. And um, but I do think this is one of those things that is important to have, right? In the sense that because of the way African football is looked at in the global football landscape, some outrages like this are warranted. Whether it could be a miscommunication or stuff like that, all I'm trying to say is, let's for a second not say it was Afcon. Let's say it was Euros. Let's say it was Copa America, and there was outrage about it. Even though, but we... there was no outrage from anybody. Hold on, hold there on, was hold really on. No outrage. He, the reporter, brought it up, and online there was a lot of discourse. Like, yo, it seems like these people are back to their looking down on African football thing again. Now, that's what I'm saying. For a second, let's say, let's not say Afcon. Let's assume this entire thing happened with Euros or FA Cup or Copa America. The questions are would we be surprised if there's outrage over it? Or would we be surprised if a reporter challenged it? If the answer. Eh, how do we know? Well, what the fuck would they be like? There, would be, uh, there, won't be, uh, there will be no outrage, man. There will be no topic. outrage. But we are sensitive about the topic, as we should. Yeah, because be, yes, uh, exactly. Um, that's where the it's only that, that only applies to, to Africa, to Afcon. Mm. You know, because there is already the the you know the agitation that Afcon is a small tournament. The, 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 you know, that's the agitation. That's the you know quote unquote fear. You know that Afcon is the, is a small tournament. Well, how, what 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 when last did an African country get to the semifinal of the World Cup? How many African countries that in the history of the World Cup have gotten to the semi-final? None. Wow, none. So it's so so we're talking <laughs> quarter-final then. <laughs> yeah. I, I I thought it was one. No, I thought it was one. I thought Ghana, <laughs> Ghana has done it. I thought Ghana had done it. As no, well. Ghana. That Asakwa Gampi was the furthest we ever got. No, um, these people Cameroon? have gotten. Yeah. Uh, no, I think Senegal. Cameroon or Senegal. Yeah, I think yeah, somebody has gone to the semi No, no, no. Quarterfinal. It wasn't semi-final. No African was team has ah. ever played uh, in the third place playoff before. Yeah. Can you imagine? Okay, so 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 that's you know, I mean, so I mean, <laughs> anyway, let me not, let me not, let me no, not. No, so not I get that, but much. again, this this African football people, it's it's deeper. I get what you're saying. That see, there are many problems African football that is like. When African football needs to fix a lot of stuff, right? But at the same time, the situation is a bit more nuanced than that, right? There's a lot going on. Like, for example, we all know FIFA and the way football executive is a very corrupt space, right? Even by white people standards uh, or European standards, it's a very mm. corrupt space. African football is not exempt from that corruption too. It's just unfortunately we see corruption in other walks of life. So senior in football is just like another upsetting part of it. But that corruption is also in African football. So a lot of African football is underdeveloped. But it doesn't exempt like some of the stuff UEFA and FIFA and some of them are doing. For example, Infantino is properly running a Super League agenda in Africa right now. And all the outrage that was there when they were trying to do it in Europe is not here. Like nobody internationally shouting, Oh my god, FIFA, how can you do this? 
nobody is doing that yet they are fully running a super league agenda in fact not even running it's almost done wait so i i i didn't know this so it's coming to us with breaking news fam so so (laughs) it's like the the thing with african football and the way it relates to football around the world is like i get some of the things it always feels like yo why a bit sensitive to the issue which is true we probably have but again african football i mean we should be there's a reason yeah yeah there's a reason behind it so that's why i'm like you know what Maybe the outrage was too much, but the way I look at it is nobody should be surprised there's outrage because I believe that if similar statements were made against something like the FA Cup, there'll be a similar form of like noise around it, even if you don't want to use the word outrage. So, like you said, it's probably did not warrant the amount of noise it got. That being said, if this was another international tournament, if there was noise, I highly doubt people would be surprised that there was noise. So that's my own same thing with it. It's like, yo, I don't think Klopp meant any ill intent. At the same time, nobody should be surprised there's noise. People will ride or die for their national teams. So, Yeah. With Tucker's point about like he, think, he uh, thinking that Klopp should have at least apologised, um, I can see why you would have that sentiment right but i feel like it's just it's a bit heavy apologizing to a whole continent for something that you did not mean right like yeah. you, you know apologizing was so in, in a way no, would just, sort of like be acknowledging no, that i mean okay, don't, there don't was, say was, don't say i'm sorry just say i'm sorry it was misconstrued in that way as it was in my intention yeah. and mm. yeah mm. But it's okay man it's okay club like we don't have yeah. to <laughs> I mean, I don't necessarily like Klopp that much these days yeah. anyway. Um, yeah. I think yeah. he has his own agenda, so, you know, I'm not necessarily against him. I just, you know, he's ready not die for his own agenda. <laughs> uh-huh. And on that matter, I think we should conclude today's episode, guys. It's been a dizzy. Pleasure to have you back. Damola, welcome to the pod full time. Thank you. Thank you. I look forward to more interesting takes and yeah let's see how the season progresses hopefully i'll have more, more agendas oh yeah no no no, no. i have plenty of agendas, <laughs> this is your platform for them bro welcome all right thank you all right so ladies and gentlemen we'll see you in two weeks time till then stay safe stay healthy peace peace y'all